Shabbat Shalom. Well, it's privilege and joy for me to be in your congregation, especially this year. I've heard it's going to be 40th anniversary of your congregation. Baruch Hashem, I, I want to tell you, you are one of the leaders of whole messianic movement here in the United States and in the whole world. So uh, this is real joy and privilege for me to be with you people of God and share with you his Torah today. And before I will go further, I have to remind you that I still better speak in Russian than in English. And you probably have noticed my heavy accent, don't you? So if you will not understand my English, please tell me right away and I will switch it to my Russian. <laughs> well, um, today we're going to talk about Parashat Shemini. And this is real joy for me because you can go all around the globe, even in Russia, people today on the same page of the Torah as all of us. So we unite, on this way we can unite it with all our people. It doesn't matter where we are in Galut, and we can read, and we can join together with Hashem on His Word. So please open up your scriptures, and we will read a lot today. I will read from my complete Jewish Bible. You can read from your own translations. Words may be different, but hopefully you will understand the meaning. Parashat uh, Shemini, book of Vaikra, chapter 9. And I will read from verses to verses, and you will follow me. So let's, let's read on verses uh, 1 to 6. On the eighth day, Moshe called Aharon, his sons, and the leaders of Israel, and said to Aharon, Take a male calf for a sin offering, and ram for the burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them before Adonai. Then tell the people of Israel, Take a male goat for sin offering, and the calf and the lamb, both a year old and without defect, for the burnt offering, and on an ox and a ram for peace offering to sacrifice before Adonai. Also a grain offering mixed with olive oil, because today Adonai is going to appear to you. They brought what Moshe had ordered before them on the tenth of the meeting, and the whole community approached and stood before Adonai. Moshe said, This is what Adonai has ordered to you to do, so that the glory of Adonai, Shekinah, will appear to you. It's an amazing moment of the scripture. Let me remind you the situation where we are today on this parasha. Mitzbach, the, the tabernacle, is built. The priests, the family of Aharon and his sons, are prepared. They seven days prepare themselves for the service to Adonai. And in this parasha, the subject is switched from the building of tabernacle, Mitzbach, and preparing of the, the priests to the point 
where whole people of Israel will serve to the Lord. He taught them how it's supposed to be. And in this transition, we read that on the eight days of that preparation, he called Moshe, Aharon, his sons, and the leaders of the whole congregation to bring the offering, different kinds of offerings, before Adonai. There is a lot of things to learn from this point. Of course, we understand that God called Moshe and Aharon and his son to make a service, make, bring the offerings before Adonai. And it was happened on the first day of month of Aviv or Nisan, and this name came from Babylon, so you have to understand that the differences in the names of the same months. And they stood before Adonai and made those uh, services. But the question is, why leaders, the elders of whole congregation, stay there? They don't do any services before Adonai. They don't make any sacrifices before him. Why they are here? And our rabbis taught us, this is very, very important, that every time, every time, when priests, kohanim, make offering, make services before Adonai, leaders, the elders, supposed to be here. Every service, what was made before Adonai, has to be overseen by elders. It's very interesting to notice that even before the high priest, the Kohen Hagadol, presenting his very important offerings in uh, Yom Kippur, the priests and elders of a whole community of Israel stay with high priests together, and they, they taught Kohen Hagadol how to present those offerings before Adonai. So we have to understand the role of elders, role of leaders of the whole community is very important. They have to overwatch. You could not do anything in your congregation without your leaders. It's prohibited by our rabbis. And another thing, it's saying that those offerings should bring the presence of Hashem. So those leaders represented the whole community of Israel. They've been there to represent whole nation of Israel. And we have to learn this. And it's very interesting to notice that not only priests, but people of Israel have to bring their offerings before Adonai. Because all of us have to serve before him. And as we see here in chapter 9, verses 23 to 30, 24, it's saying, Moshe and Aharon entered the tent of meetings, came out and blessed the people of Israel. Then the glory of Adonai appeared to all the people. Fire came forth from the presence of Adonai, consuming the burnt offering and the fat of the altar. When all people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Amazing moment. After all those offerings, before 
Adonai, fire came out and consuming. And Aharon and Moshe blessed people of Israel and the Shekinah, the presence of Adonai, appeared before people of Israel and they saw it. Everything happened as God commanded. And it was visible evidence of his presence, of his appearance before people of Israel. And it was moment of glory, and it was moment of joy. And everybody has been excited. I'm pretty sure sometimes in your congregation you shout with the joy, don't you? Because the presence of Adonai among you, and you are so happy, and sometimes people doing strange things when they exalted, when they so happy, and when their emotions overcame them. And that's exactly what happened in next moment. And that's what we are reading here in chapter 10. But Nadav and Avihu, sons of Aharon, each took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before Adonai, something he had not ordered them to do. Wow. Two great people, blessed people, chosen people, the sons of chosen men, great men, in this amazing moment of the presence of the Lord, doing something unusual, what they have not been ordered. There is another lesson for all of us. I know we are people and we want to serve the Lord. But the problem is we want to serve to Hashem on our own ways. You see how it's saying here? They've been, it's no doubt, they've been happy. They've, they, they brought the, the offering to Adonai and people glorify the Lord because they've seen the Shekinah. And then scripture saying each of them they don't even agree with one another, but each of them took their own censer, uh, put their own uh, incense, put their own fire, and brought it to Adonai. And scripture saying then in verses 2, at this fire came forth from the presence of Adonai and consumed them. So they died in the presence of Adonai. Why it was happened? Well, our rabbis gave us two solutions why. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer saying, it's clear to me, he's saying in, in Torah Kohanim, uh, he's saying, it's clear to me, they did not ask him their father, Aharon, neither they asked permission from Moshe how to do it. They do it on their own way. From this point, we learn it. And our rabbis taught us nothing, just nothing can happen in our congregation without permission of the leader. And I would like to tell you, I am staying here because your rabbi let me stay here and teach the Torah here. It's very, very serious, I'm telling you. We could not, I, I, I've seen it numbers of times in, in my service before uh, God, 
I've seen numbers of the time, people want to serve God. And they're thinking they're doing good things, but it's not. They didn't ask their leaders how to do it. And they began, let's say, Bible studies in their homes. Or they, they tried to, to make services or do something else without permission of their leaders. And you know what's happened? Congregation just fell apart. We could not do this. Our rabbis teaching us the principle came from right from this uh, point of the scripture. Nobody can teach halacha. Nobody can interpret the Torah. Nobody can make a service without permission of their leaders, their rabbis. Second opinion came from Rabbi Ishmael. And you can understand why he makes such a kind of uh, decision from verses 8 to 11 at the same chapter, 10. Right after what's happened, God commanded. Adonai said to Aharon, don't drink any wine or other intoxication liquor, neither you nor your sons with you when you enter the tents of meeting so that you will not die. This is to be a permanent regulation through all your generations, so that you will distinguish between the holy and common, and between the unclear, clean, and clean, and so that you will teach the people of Israel all the laws, all the Torah of Adonai has told them through Moshe. You understand what's happened here? Right after that event, Adonai commanded, you don't have any right, not you or your sons, through all your generation to drink wine or heavy liquors when you're coming to the presence of Adonai for the service. So our rabbis taught us that because probably they've been drunk and they have been confused, and their emotions overcome them. So it was prohibited when, it, it was not prohibited and in other times to drink wine. But when Kohanim came to serve the Lord, they have not been uh, allowed to drink any wine or another liquor. And uh, again, our rabbis, it's very interesting to, to see discussion, how they came to such a kind of solution. There is... Um, in Gemara, uh, the, the, the Midrash, which is saying that king has a highly respected servant. But all of a sudden, he punished this servant and sent him away without any explanation. But when he took another servant, he explained to him what he is not supposed to do. And everybody understood why the first servant has been send it away and punish. So the same principle we see here. We don't know exactly uh, the reasons why, but we definitely learn it from this passage that neither we have to do our own things before God or we have to uh, drink and come drunk on the service. So you can see some uh, things uh, in New Testament, in Brit Hadashah, which repeated the same thing. For instance, 
Messiah Yeshua in chapter 5 on the book of Matityahu told us that I came not to abolish the Torah, but make it full. And he's saying heaven and earth will not pass it away until the smallest youth from the Torah will be fulfilled. So we learn we could not break the Torah. We have to follow the Torah even today in our lifetime because we are living at the same heaven and on the same earth. And uh, brother of Yeshua, Yaakov, in his letter told us that we don't have to be drunk from wine, but we have to fulfill it with the Spirit. So you can see the same thoughts and same uh, meaning even in Brit Hadashah. So when that terrible things happen, what the reaction we see from Aharon? And your rabbi mentioned this. It's very, very interesting to, to see it. Verses 3 in chapter 10. Moshe said to Aharon, This is what Adonai said. Through those who are near me, I will be consecrated. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Aharon kept silent. You know, it's very interesting to read in Hebrew. The word silent, what we have in English, in Hebrew can be translated that he became numb or he became petroned. He became like a stone. Can you, can you stay with Aharon in that moment and can you share with him his feeling? In the moment of the glory, on the, on the moment of joy, all of a sudden, two of his sons pass it away, die. Do you feel heart of the father? I guess the same feeling was uh, in Abraham when he was ready to kill his son Isaac on the Mount of Moriah. But we see in that time and another time silence, betrothed. Nam. I love the story, what I read about two Jewish rabbis. They used to live, I don't remember their name, forgive me. Uh, they used to live in the beginning of 19th century, and they've been two dear friends, uh, one to another. But then happened that one of them has to move about half day of walking to another place. And they've been apart for a while. And they decided they will exchange the letters to keep up with one another. And one young man, Moishele, decided that he will serve to his rabbi and he will deliver and exchange those letters between two of them. So every Friday morning, he left, he took the letter from one rabbi and he left and brought this letter after three, four hours to his friend, and he waited until a rabbi responded and took another letter and brought this to his rabbi. For a whole year, he walking uh, back and forth, and he saw that those two men have been very happy and very uh, excited that they can share those words one with another. 
But in one day, after one, one year of schlepping, he decided, let me see what those great people read to one another. So when he was in the middle of the forest, he opened up the letter of one of them, and he saw that one of the rabbis wrote the portion from the Torah by his hands on the paper. And when he brought this letter to another rabbi, rabbi took it, looked it, and crying. Then he went to his room and brought his response, his letter. And he gave it to Moishele and said, please bring this to my friend. And Moishele went back, and again in the middle of the forest, he opened up another letter, and he saw that letter was just empty piece of white paper. He was surprised, and he brought this letter to his rabbi, and his rabbi opened up this uh, letter, looked at it, and weeping by himself. And Moishele was in awe how it happened. He understood that one rabbi crying because he saw something pressure which was written, but he could not understand why another rabbi weeping when he was watching an empty piece of paper. And when Shabbat was over, he came to his rabbi and asked him, Rabbi, please forgive me. I opened up both of those letters, and I saw one was uh, full of words from the Torah, another was clearly empty. Why both of you are crying? And his rabbi explained to him, the Torah have been written by black letters on the white parchment. And when you want to express your sorrow and your grief, you can write down the letter of the Torah. But when your heart in so deep grief that you don't even can express yourself by the words, white paper, paper can explain and can express much more. Interesting. Because if you're going to take a look and compare it, God commanded, actually Moshe commanded to uh, Aharon and his sons, do not cry. You don't have any right to cry before Adonai. Because you're staying on the service before God Almighty. But rather, he commanded to people of Israel, you must grieve and cry for those two great men whom God took it. I don't know which grief is greater, but there is two ways how our people express it. One level and another level. So we have to learn it and we have to do it. And for me, even more Great, what was happened after this. Just read it, chapter 10, verses um, 12 to 15. That amazed me immediately. And Moshe said to Aharon and to Eleazar and Itamar, his remaining sons, take the grain offering left from the offering for Adonai made by fire and eat it without level leaven next to the altar, because it's especially holy. And if you can read to the chapter 15, you can see that he 
ordered to them that they have to eat. But please pay attention. And that moment, it's not simply eat. It was service. Here we learn a lo- another lesson. My dear brothers and sisters, even in greatest moment of our sorrow, grief, pain, tears, we have to be ready to serve the Lord. He can command it to us to do so. And we have two choices. We can say, like Abraham said, Hineni, here I am and ready to do whatever you command me to do. Or just stay and cry and then ho- don't have any, any things to do. I share with um, Henry and his wife this morning the story of uh, one of the family in our congregation. And uh, it's a tragic story, but I guess the lesson is obvious. How are you going to respond? Are you ready to serve the Lord or you want to take care of your own tears and you want to uh, feel sorry for yourself, for your pain? I have a dear friend of mine. He is a Messianic rabbi and he served in the in the movement for more than 40 years. And he established many, many uh, messianic congregations. But I remember one conversation with him. It was about eight, nine years ago. We sit together and uh, share news one with another. And all of a sudden, that old man, he is older than me, he began to cry. And I said, Ben, what's happened? What's wrong with you? And he shared with me his grief. He said that he taught his brand new congregation for two years, or three years, I don't remember exactly, how to keep Shabbat, and people did not. And it brought pain to his heart. And you know what? He said to his people, who wants to serve the Lord with me, stay with me. Who wants to go on your own ways, go on your own ways. And he began new congregation. And this congregation is established today, is still today. And those people, believe it or not, kept Shabbat in all details. So what I try to say on this, I try to say sometimes we have very tragical moments in our life. But don't forget, it's not our lives, it's his lives. And those special people who are ready to serve the Lord, no matter what, they're going to serve the Lord. You remember what prophet said? Even if I will not have sheep and my wind yard will be empty, I will serve the Lord. So it's up to you, my dear brothers and sisters, how you're going to answer. Simply, here I am, or Hineni. Here I am in your service and ready to do whatever you command me to do. One more interesting moment. For our people, food, it's not just food. It's service. It's service before the Lord. You remember what we are saying in the time of Pesach? They're going to kill us. We survive. Let's eat. So for us, food is very important part of the service. It's liturgy for us. In our congregation, the, the songs, dance, uh, word of God, and on egg, the same thing. Worship to God. So 
We have to understand this. On this slide, the very next chapter is going to have absolutely different light. What it's saying? It's saying that we have to keep kosher. God saying to us, teaching us as his people, this is food, this is not food. It's very simple, you know. It's not the matter of health. It's, it's not even saying so. Even, even though it's helpful, even though it's helpful, and I, I can go through the history and, and show how P Jewish communities survived in the time when all another goyim just suffer from the different illness because they kept kosher, you know? But it's not the point. The point is that God commanded to us, it's call it hukim, the laws what we could not comprehend. We have to just follow. Do I have more time or a few more? A few moments? Thank you. You're so generous for me. There is saying some animals are kosher, some not. And there is another lesson for us. I will take just three animals, sheep, camel, and swine, pig. And our rabbis taught us that those three animals represented three civiliz civilizations on the earth. And it's saying clearly in Talmud. They saying sheep represented people of Israel. And why? Because it's kosher. Because it's had splitted hoof and it's eat cod, right? Another animal is camel. And this camel, this animal represented Muslim civilization. Why? Because they are eating uh, camel, but they don't eat swine. And camel doesn't have split it hood. It eat cod. And the swine represented the Western civilization. And Western civilization, it looks like kosher. Split it hood. By the way, do you know that in Roman Empire, the law of Roman Empire, which is uh, actually based for a whole uh, jurisdiction system in the current civilization, most of this law came from the Torah. It's interesting. So swine has splitted hood. And when swine lay down, she pulled out her splitted hood and see and saying, You see, I'm kosher. I'm looks like kosher. And each of these animals has very interesting um, specification. Swine. She show her uh, splitted hoof. And Legs usually means running, running. So the characteristic of Western civilization is running. Don't look on back. Don't remember what's happened in the past. Go forward. Camel, chewing cut. So he doesn't have splitted hood, but chewing cut. What does it mean, chewing cut? Look back. Don't look forward. Chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing again and again and again. They look back what was happened in the past. But Jewish people, they're really kosher. They have splitted hood and they chewing cup. They highly re respected their uh, culture and their history from the time of Adam 
but they are also going forward. And in today's world, 20%, 20% of the people who receive Nobel Prize are Jewish people. So we are part of great community, and we have to follow God's words. Why? Because through even these kosher food, we serve to him. And I want to finish with just two verses from the scripture. Chapter 11, verses 44 to 46. God saying, after his teaching of kosher food, he's saying, for I'm Adonai, your God. Therefore, consecrate yourself, set apart, be holy, because I am holy. And do not define yourself with any kind of swarming creatures that moves among the ground. For I am Adonai, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you are to be holy because I am holy. Such then is the law consecrated animals, flying creatures, all living creatures that move about uh, they move about in the water and all creatures that swarm on the ground. Through those simple things, we can be holy. Many people thinking to be holy is be like Catholic priest or to be Catholic uh, uh, holy man. It's not. In Jewish mind, to be holy, it simply follows the word of God. It simply follows his kosher food. And on this way, you can be holy because you separated from this world and you united with Hashem. And I hope we learn a little bit tonight, today. And with this knowledge, we can go and proclaim the name of Yeshua here and in other places. Shabbat Shalom.